Naveen Jain is driven to solve the world's biggest challenges through innovation. His space company, Moon Express, is the first private enterprise to receive formal government approval to land on the moon this fall, beating Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Naveen has also founded the companies Viome, World Innovation Institute, TalentWise, and Infospace, among others. Those companies' goals range from making humanity a multi-planetary society, to rethinking the entire healthcare system from an entrepreneur's perspective, to saving us from extinction. And that's just scratching the surface. You could say Naveen knows how to dream big. Naveen joins the Ivy podcast to discuss how entrepreneurs can sink their teeth into today's most complex problems in order to catalyze original thinking, pursue moonshot initiatives, and create companies that make a true impact. Coming back to really is that as an entrepreneur, for the first time in the human history, we are able to solve the, some of the grandest human challenges. We are living in the most amazing times in the human history. Next 15 years will fundamentally change the trajectory of how humanity lives. And here is the best part. Half of the Fortune 500 companies will absolutely go bankrupt. They're going to be codecked. Please enjoy our conversation with Naveen Jain. You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com. This episode of the Ivy podcast is brought to you by Zola, makers of the delicious all-natural coconut water and acai juice beverages. Zola lives for those who live the slash life, the daily hustle to achieve passion slash profession slash play. Only you know your next move, and only Zola can fuel it with plant-powered hydration. To learn more, visit livezola.com. But this is really what your whole MO is about, is the way that entrepreneurship and innovation can really change the world. You talk about entrepreneurs yeah. being the next big uh, superpower, but you also focus on that concept around entrepreneurs focusing on self-worth and not net worth. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? So what really is that, you know, as entrepreneurs, when you focus on things that are simply financial oriented, right? So you say, I want to start a company because you want to make money. And to me, making money is like having an orgasm. When you focus on it, you never get it. You have to enjoy the process, right? Personality, thank you. Coming back. I'm sensing a theme. Honeymoon, orgasms. No, seriously. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> I'm at loss for words. You know? <laughs> so coming back to really is that as an entrepreneur, 
for the first time in the human history, we are able to solve the, some of the grandest human challenges. We are living in the most amazing times in the human history. Next 15 years will fundamentally change the trajectory of how humanity lives. And here is the best part. Half of the Fortune 500 companies will absolutely go bankrupt. They're gonna be codect. They're gonna be codect in the next 15 years, half of the Fortune 500 companies. What does that really mean? What that means is the king is dying. You have a chance to become the next king. Every one of you in this room can go out and become the next king. However, there is a catch. <clears throat> the exponential technology is making things so fast and so disruptive that every five to seven years, the technology is disrupting itself. That means if you believe someone is ahead of you by five years, you can't quite start that, all that means is they're two years close to dying. And you can still go out and disrupt. And this is the first time I can tell you that's gonna happen in the human history is, by the time a company is ready to go public, they may go bankrupt, mm. right? So look at Uber that disrupted so many industries. And there is a pretty good chance the company may not be around by the time they have to go public. And here's why. <clears throat> what did Uber did well? Uber was able to aggregate all of the drivers around the world, and by aggregating the drivers, they were able to offer a service to the consumers, right? When you get the self-driving car, who is the driver? The manufacturer of the car is the driver. So, Tesla can become an Uber on day one because all the cars already have an app and you can order that. What if Tesla and GM and Chrysler, the three drivers come together, they will have more drivers than Uber would ever be able to do in their lifetime. And that is a fundamental shift that you never see. That a single, a company that disrupted everything is going to be disrupted. So it used to be that you could go out and do something and you can enjoy the benefit for hundreds of years. Now that doesn't happen. A Kodak that lasted for 100 years plus, boom, gone like that. Macy's, boom, right? You're starting to see the companies that used to last for hundreds of years are just going. In fact, the companies, the, if you look at the S&P 500, the companies used to last about 50 to 70 years. Now the average life is 10 to 15 years. It's just decimating. So how do you know your audience will last? <clears throat> the thing is you don't have to last. You simply have to be able to solve the problem. And that is the thing is that you are able to do and get the penetration for 10 million, 100 million or billion people in five to 10 years that used to take 50 to 100 years. So if you look at how long did it take Facebook, and then you say, how long did it take Instagram? And then you start to take the next company. These things are taking less and less time to get to the first 10 million or 100 million people. And that is the beauty of what is going on right now. So <clears throat> that was a Moon Express thing that I did, the first Moon Shot. And then it occurred to me that as I am ready to launch the Moon Shot, the Moon Shot, what should be my next Moon Shot? And I thought about it for a couple of days, and I see there are two big problems that I want to solve. One is education and one is healthcare. And it turns out the problems were very similar. You know, people think they're two different problems, but it turns out they were very similar problems. What was similar about them? Both the things people believe is not working. People believe both of them systems are broken. Turns out neither system is actually broken. 
they're doing exactly what they were designed to do. So you look at the education system, what was it designed to do? It was designed to teach you skills and you could use the skills for the rest of your life and life was amazing. Now, with the exponential technology, every skill becomes obsolete every five to seven years. Then by the time you graduate, you're no longer employable because that skill is gone. And you have chronic unemployment. <clears throat> Same thing is happening in healthcare. It was designed for infectious diseases and acute care. And it does that amazingly well. What do we have now? Chronic diseases. A system was designed for episodic time when you were sick. And now you're always sick. System wasn't designed for that. And here is the irony. Irony of the situation is the cure for the infectious diseases is largely responsible for the chronic diseases. And that to me really why I said I can solve this problem. Because everyone has looked at this problem the wrong way. <clears throat> Medical school, medical school, what they teach you and what doctors practice. It is simply the belief system that says is if we can get rid of all the viruses and bacteria from a human body, a sterile human body is the best healthy human body. They never read the nature's memo that says you are a ecosystem. It turns out as I was starting to learn about the human body, which I never took biology by the way. <laughs> So here is an interesting thing. I'm going to come back to the healthcare in a second here. Um, or let me continue with the healthcare theme here for a second. <clears throat> that as I started to learn about healthcare, what I learned was the human DNA only produces 19,000 genes. Think about that. Earthworm has more genes than a human body. Then what makes us so complex? It turns out the trillions of microorganisms in your gut produce five to 10 million genes. So when we are so proud of who we are, we are basically from their perspective, a beautiful container for these <laughs> microorganisms with a little bit of a human RNA sprinkled into it. Right? <clears throat> and that is the fundamental thing that people missed out on. Today, you Google anything you want. Just today there is another research that came out. The Parkinson's does not start in the brain, it starts in the gut. Yesterday there was a research on anxiety. The anxiety is caused by the microorganism in your gut. Obesity, diabetes, cancer, depression, every chronic disease you can think of, it starts in the gut and caused by the chronic inflammation. What's happening is if you could reduce the inflammation, all these disease, the symptoms may show up differently but the root cause is the same. The chronic inflammation causes chronic diseases. If you can reduce inflammation, in some people the inflammation may show up as cancer, someone else may show up as Alzheimer's. In some people it may show up as obesity, some people may show up as diabetes. These are the symptoms. Our healthcare system is designed, one disease, one cure. It doesn't care about the humans. What turns out is, you and I have 99% the same DNA. Here's a very interesting part. Us and the tree have 90% same DNA. What makes a tree and us different? Not much. 90% same, you and I have 99% same. When you look at the microbes, less than 1% of our microbes are the same. And that's why a diet that works for you doesn't work for me. And the diet that works for me today may not work for me six months from now. So what we did we do is we started a company 
and got the technology. I'm not a smart guy. So what's very interesting, I'm gonna come back as an entrepreneur, how do you go out and solve a problem when you know nothing about it? So I've started six companies now, and there's never been a two companies in the same industry. Because my belief is, once you become good at something, you can only improve it incrementally. You can make it 10% better, 15% better. If you come to an industry when you know nothing about it, you are able to change it 10 times or 100 times. So when you are worried about, I know nothing about it, that is your biggest asset. So don't be afraid and say, how am I gonna do that? I know nothing about it. I know I'm not even a rocket scientist. I can go to the moon. I am not a you know, physician or scientist. I can solve the healthcare problem. I am not an educator. I can solve the education problem. It is the mindset of how you think about it. So the, <clears throat> here's what I did. I say I know nothing about it. So this is another, I'm gonna give you an insight on how to bootstrap your company and how to get the technology at almost no cost. Because that's what all of you are here for. You know, how do you do that? So I, you know, there are lots of national labs and the you know, Department of Defense. They take billions of taxpayer money and they do all kinds of research for national security. I was at Los Alamos National Lab and they've been working for 10 years and they had to spend hundreds of millions of dollars developing a technology for biodefense work. They wanted to know if a bad actor were to do something really nasty, how would they know what just happened? So they built the technology that says, we can look inside your body and find out exactly what is going on, how active these organisms are, and what they are doing. And I'm thinking, hmm, what if we can take that and keep people healthy? And that was the simple change. What they did it for finding out for biodefense, I licensed the technology and essentially built this company. And you know how much Viome. it cost? This is Viome. This is Viome, right. Yeah, yeah. And this is really looking at global <clears throat> health. It That's looks, the essence of this. Color. But it looks at the gut health, it's looking at how your body is responding to it. So it looks at your mitochondrial gene expression, your gene expression, and most of you may not know, this is the biggest surprise for me. Your blood, people believe it is sterile. It turns out blood has a whole microbiome. So even though when you get that blood, you say it matches with my blood type, and they have tested for the seven diseases, when you take that blood and you get infused, you're getting all the organism from one person to another person. And honestly, I felt very strongly I could take that blood sample from the blood bank, 100 of them, and publish the thing to show you exactly what people are getting. I thought I would get killed for doing that because they have to destroy all the blood bank. So for, for the sake of my own health, <laughs> I decided that I'm just not going to do that. Speaking of your own health, you actually, um, you know, and I've been public about this, were, were set up as being pre-diabetic, yeah. and that was really an interesting catalyst for yeah. you to take this personally now. This wasn't just yeah. about business, but this was about your own health. That's a, 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 that's a revisionist history. That's, a, that's every entrepreneur, they go out and make it personal because it just sounds so good. Oh, so that was <laughs> No, that was made up. The answer okay. is, no, I, I actually thought that this is a problem if we can create a world where chronic illness is optional. We could help a billion people around the world from suffering, and my belief is, if you can create any company that can help a billion people, it will be a massive company. If you can find a problem that's big enough 
If it's a, you can solve a $10 billion problem, you can create a $100 billion market cap. Right. So the, what you need to do is solve a big problem. This to me was a big problem. 90% of our healthcare dollars are spent on chronic diseases, just in our own country. And to clarify, <coughs> really the essence of this company is, is from a testing standpoint, right? That once you have that knowledge, that's where we, we can really begin to uh, adjust what we put in our body, how we, how we attempt to fix those things. Yeah, so to me, the testing is not what we do. That's a means to an end. The end is what do we tell you what you can do. You knowing what's there is a great, you are, you know, pat on the back, you are smart, right? But that doesn't really do anything. What we do is we look at everything. How does your how does a host respond to what's happening inside you? And then we apply the artificial intelligence to say, do this and don't do that. That Give means an example of how you <clears throat> change your life. Yeah. So I, as I started to look at, I was trying to lose 10 pounds, which I'm and I was pre-diabetic. And first thing everyone told me is, oh, really simple. You need to cut down all the carbs. So now I'm eating no carbs. Cut down all the starch. Now I'm living a miserable life. <laughs> right? And a year later, my weight doesn't go down. My blood glucose is not going down. When I launched Wyom, I was the first guinea pig. And I said, I'm going to test myself. It turns out what I needed to be doing is most of my diet needed to be carbs because I grew up in northern part of India where the staple food is wheat. And I was cutting down everything that my body was optimized for. And I needed to be eating more than half of my diet as carbs, less protein, and less things. That means I need to be eating complex carbohydrates, the bread, the pasta. Um, and what I needed to be avoiding is everything that I was doing as a vegetarian. What was I was doing? Lentil, legumes, tofu, and veggies, what I was eating. Turns out, I need to be avoiding lentil, legumes, tofu, avocado, spinach, and right? And I'm thinking, wouldn't every girl want my microbiome? Every girl. Every girl wants that. Yes. Please do continue. If you think she's having fun, she is. <laughs> they know you're having fun. <laughs> um, so anyways, the idea really is, so how do you bootstrap a company when you are actually simply create this audacious goal? So one day I say, I am going to create a company with a simple moonshot of making chronic disease an option. Guess what? Amazing things happen when you create such an audacious goal. I got a call from the head of the Watson Research. He said, 20 years I've been working on artificial intelligence. This is a problem. I want my legacy. I want to quit. He quit his job making million dollars to work for 100K for us. Next call I got was Dr. Helen Messier, PhD microbiology, MD, working for Craig Venter in human longevity to extend the life of people. She saw what I was doing. She says, you know what, what's the point of living long if you're gonna all have to do is suffer? I wanna solve the problem, I wanna be part of solving the problem you're doing. The Los Alamos guys who had been working for 10 years in a cushy job at a federal lab, quit a job, he says, that's the problem I wanna solve. And amazing things happen. Once I have all these people who come join me, Every VC wants to say, what is he doing? What are all these people doing there? Suddenly, everybody wants to give me money. <clears throat> and the more I told them, 
Now I think we're fine, we don't need the money. Oh my God, it's like having a red flag in front of a bull. <laughs> <laughs> you tell a VC you don't want the money, they think you have something so important, something so audacious, they're gonna miss out. And here's the thing, I'm gonna get you a trick. VCs are, everybody knows, are driven by greed, but I can tell you what VCs are actually driven by, fear of missing out. FOMO. FOMO, and here's the best part. <clears throat> More than a FOMO, they don't want to be the guy who said no to something. So when I go there and I said, you know, this is a problem that could fundamentally change the trajectory of how humanity lives. We're gonna make chronic disease optional. You can say no to it, but remember, you're gonna be the poster child when I'm successful. This is the guy who said no. <laughs> you will have no career in the VC industry. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying no. <laughs> How much do you need? We're not really, I don't need much money. I only need 10. No, no, can you please take 50? <laughs> Good strategy. We're gonna open it up to questions in just a few minutes, but I wanna go through a quick Rapid fire. I'm going to ask you five questions and give me a quick answer. Under I love 30 you. Seconds. <laughs> First thing, what makes you really, really happy? Really, the intellectual curiosity. I love learning. Every day I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I spend the first two hours learning about everything that's happening in every single industry, from nanotechnology to genetics to neuroscience. I mean, any industry, I am an absolute geek. And to me, learning about all of this stuff allows me to focus on taking these tools in my toolbox and say I can apply these three things to solve that problem. What really scares you? What really scares me is uh, you. <laughs> that was too easy. No, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you get away with that one. That's the shortest answer you've given to anything. <laughs> yeah, actually, what really scares me is to, you know, to not be able to solve the problem that I know I am capable of doing. I know we as humanity have a chance in our life to be able to solve these problems. And I would hate it if we all couldn't come together because no individual can solve this problem. We have to come together and say, let us do that. And that to me is really my theme. When I go out and ask people that I need a million people to use Wyoming. Because if I have a million people, the artificial intelligence will have all the data sets to be able to understand what's causing every disease. I don't tell how much money they can make by promoting Wyoming. I simply say, this is a problem worth solving. I have dedicated my life and I'll give you my promise. I'll put five years of my life at no salary to solve this problem. All I want you to do is dedicate your time to help get to a million people. Because if you do that, you have my word, as soon as I solve the healthcare problem, I will attack the education next. And it's amazing things happen. The people who would never promote anything come and say, amen, I'm behind you. What's the biggest challenge you've overcome in your life? The biggest challenge every entrepreneur always faces is self-doubt. That you always say that to in front of everybody, this can be done and I'm going to do that. But every time you go in the night and go to sleep and you wonder, what if you're wrong? What if it couldn't, didn't work? What if all these people who believe in what you're doing and have sacrificed their life for you, what if you are wrong? And that allows me to wake up every morning and say I'm going to double my effort to make sure that does not happen. 
I work 18 hour days, seven days a week, and um, to me, it is important that people who believe in me, if even if the idea does not work, I was gonna die trying it. I'm gonna give it my last drop of blood as long as I live. If I give you my word, I'm gonna do it. What's the most <clears throat> vulnerable thing about you? <sighs> Girls. <laughs> Back to our theme. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the most vulnerable thing about me is that, you know, at times, uh, I look and see how far I have come from where I started. I grew up in India with absolutely no food to eat, uh, no place to stay. Came to this country with absolutely nothing. Didn't, didn't speak the language. And God and the people in the society have been so kind. And every day that I look and I say, the people who helped me don't need my help. And it is the worst feeling you have that you have a debt on your shoulder and you can't pay it back. When you can't pay something back, all you can do is pay it forward. And that's the reason why you find me talking to entrepreneurs like you every time I find a time. I don't say I need the speaking fees. I do it because I feel this is my way of paying forward to pay back my debt. So my vulnerability comes because I feel that people in this world have really adopted me and given me everything I could ask for. And am I doing enough? Am I really be able to go and pay back my debt before I die? Thank you for sharing that. We're gonna open it up to audience questions. All right, we're gonna grab a microphone. You, first hand up right there. I always appreciate the first question. Please introduce yourself and, and give us your question. Well, uh, hello. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did and with such candidness. Uh, my name is Natalie, and I work for Nest, a social enterprise incubator. And when I hear things like um, the fact that companies that disrupted an industry will be disrupted in five to seven years, I'm thinking about the social enterprises that we support that are small and medium-sized in emerging market countries. And so it makes me nervous because I think about like what what do we have to do in terms of all the stakeholders, government, nonprofits, business sector, what do we have to do to make sure that the small and medium enterprises that don't have an especially social enterprises that sacrifice competitiveness for social cause, what do they have to do to keep up with this um, with this growth of the business industry? Sure. So first of all, um, the social entrepreneurship is the one of the worst thing you can ever do, right? <laughs> um, um, and here is why. Um, doing good and doing well are not mutually exclusive. If you want to do a small good in the world, you become a social entrepreneur. If you want to do a large good in the world, you create profit because profit is the engine that allows you to scale. If you are a simply a richest man in the world, you run out of money before you can do a small good. Maybe you can help a million people. If you want to help a billion people, you have to create a profit engine. Social entrepreneurship is really created for someone who is not a good entrepreneur. So what do we say? Well, you are really a shitty entrepreneur, but you're doing something good, so let's call you a social entrepreneur, right? Because if you are a good entrepreneur, I will call you an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay, all right, next question. All right, this gentleman, uh, this gentleman right here. 
Think about your questions, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Yash Jin. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask, like, how did you, did you always, were you always this enthusiastic, or did you develop it? Like, I think we're a very hard place, and, you know, like, where, like, how did you, you know, generate that enthusiasm? He's trying to say, what happened? <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know, being crazy is your microbiome. <laughs> My microbiome made me do it. <laughs> Right. But in all seriousness, I think the mindset, once you, you know, the biggest hurdle we have in our life is really our mindset. We carry this mindset of scarcity rather than the mindset of abundance. We carry this mindset of what is, not what it can be. And as an entrepreneur, I don't look at the thing and say, is the glass half empty or half full? I simply look at the stuff, do I want to fill the glass or not? Because if I want to fill the glass, does it really matter if it's half empty or half full? And if I don't want to fill the glass, I don't really care if it's half empty or half full. And that to me is an entrepreneur. You focus on what you want the world to be, not what the world is. Right? So the, the reason I get excited about life is because I'm always imagining what this can be, not what it is. Once you change the perspective of everything is possible, it becomes possible for you. And anyone who believes it's not possible, it becomes impossible for them and not for you. <clears throat> people always say that, you know, the reason we do this is because this is, people put value to something because it's scarce. People value real estate because they believe it's scarce. People value uh, water, energy, land because they believe it's scarce. What if it is in abundance? And people say, it doesn't matter, the human beings are greedy people. It doesn't matter how much we have, we will always want more. But I remind them day in, day out. Look at the oxygen and air. We're sitting in all this room, nobody's saying, hey, you're taking my oxygen, you move. <laughs> because we believe in our mindset, it's in abundance. That's why we don't fight over it. What if energy was the next oxygen that is free to everyone? What if the food was the next oxygen? It's democratized and it's free. That is possible. And that is what you have to start thinking about, that everything is possible. What problem would you solve? What is your moonshot? What would you do if a village boy who can come to this country and can go to the moon, what would you do? You shared something with me that was really interesting about the concept of not trying to get people to drink the water. Yeah. Explain. <clears throat> so one of the things you as a, you know, whether as a parent or as a leader and as an entrepreneur, what do we always get frustrated by? Say, I can only take you to the water, I cannot make you drink. And that is what the problem is. You don't have to do that. What do you have to do is to make them thirsty. If you make them thirsty, they will find the water and they will drink. What is the thirst? Intellectual curiosity. So if in your children, you can create that intellectual curiosity, rest of their life, they'll be quenching their thirst and they will be finding that water and they'll be drinking that water. So don't worry about leaving the better country for our children, leave the better children for our country. Very well said. <clears throat> Next question. 
Uh, my name is Kai. I run a solar technology company. How do you uh, not spread yourself too thin across all different types of companies? So most companies die from indigestion rather than starvation, trying to do too many things rather than too few things. And that is the thing. As an entrepreneur, you see opportunities everywhere where no one can see them. What I do is I always say I am only going to focus on three things, the thing that I'm currently doing and the, thing, the two things that I'm incubating. And as soon as the things my, I'm working on gets big enough where it becomes a, another thing to operate, I build the team and let them run. So Moon Express, I started that. Now I have a CEO and CFO and a whole executive team. I'm an executive chairman. I focus on the strategy, but let them go. Right. Uh, <clears throat> now that allows me to focus on Wyom. And that means when I'm working on Wyom, 100% focused, I am looking at two other things that I'm incubating to see what will come out of that. What if you can use a small camera when you are sick to be able to know when you have a bacterial infection or viral infection? I believe it can be done. And it happened very interestingly. I was at NASA, a jet propulsion lab. And I was asking them what kind of technology they have. And they normally really flip. They think you're on a rocket scientist. They say, oh, you want, uh, you want the Hubble telescope? And I said, yeah. And I said, can you tell me how you're able to detect extremely faint light coming from a very distant star, and you can tell me what this is? He said, you want to know about delta-doped UV sensor? I said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're explaining it to me how it works. And it occurred to me that I was reading a science magazine that said, all bacteria under UV light have a very, very faint autofluorescence. So I asked them, I said, what if you can shine a UV light on a saliva you spit and it, ha it would have an autofluorescence from a bacteria? Can't that sensor detect it? Yeah, but why would you? And I said, that's my job. <laughs> right? But my point was simply my reading about autofluorescence of a protein on a bacteria and them talking about Hubble telescope, I was able to connect the dots. So now I'm working with NASA to go see if this is possible. And they're working on a tiny camera. They showed me the results, looks really good. I'm incubating that. The another incubation I'm doing from another national lab. And I'm gonna see how that goes along. While I'm focused in next two to three years, we're gonna have half a million people or million people, and then I'm gonna have someone run this, and then I'm gonna go out and build the next one, whether it's education or something else, right? And that's how you're able to do that. The second theme I would tell you since you asked me a genuine question is, building a team around you is very, very interesting and tough. When you're looking for a friend, you want people who are just like you. When you're building a team, you want someone who is unlike you. The people you can barely stand. <laughs> right? And here's why. Because you want them to be thinking differently. I am the guy who thinks everything is possible. I want the guy who simply paves the road after I cut the trees. So I get the operational guys and they tell me, I don't know what you're doing, but you keep cutting the trees, I'm gonna keep building the road. I hope you know where you're going. <laughs> uh, that's right. great. All right, another question. All right, we'll go right here. Me? Right here. Um, okay, my name's Nicole. Oh, okay. uh, Mike. go ahead. <clears throat> We'll go to her, uh, and then we'll go to you, Nicole. Can I ask the question? Excuse me? May I report? Can I ask the question? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Mayela, and um, you said you were brought up with a humble upbringing, and I just wanted to know who or what uh, made you believe so much in yourself, or um, 
what values, how did you get those values? You know, interesting thing is when you come from humble beginning, nothing scares you. Because at that point, you have nothing to lose, the nothing that you have not seen. They can take away everything from you, but they can't take away the knowledge you learn by doing what you're doing. So if you don't have a food to eat, you say, been there, done that. You don't have a place to stay, been there, done that, right? And nothing scares you anymore. And to me, that's an amazing thing. I couldn't speak. I mean, I had a, such a fear of speaking until one day I realized it doesn't really matter what people think of me. I'm going to just go out and have fun. And then amazing things happen. I start doing it. <laughs> That's great. All right, Nicole, please. Yes. My question uh, was, I, I've noticed, I've talked to someone else who seems to do something that, you, that you're doing. So how important is it in your process every morning that you're looking at all of these things to you actually solving the problems? Do you attribute that to a big part of having enough pieces to put these different things together. So what happens is the more dots you collect, so the reason I was saying was I read a lot. I'm also on the board of Singularity University that re really looks at all the exponential technologies. So I know about the foundational vocabulary of almost every single technology. So when I read the article about something, I'm just simply collecting the dots. And when I see a missing dot, I say, aha, now I can use that with everything I know to solve this problem. So you keep collecting dots until you find the missing dot that helps you say, now this problem is solvable. So the Moon Express, the reason I did that was we starting to see the cost of the sensors were coming down because the iPhones were and the smartphones were there. That means the cost of every sensor, cost of processing. The iPhone today has more processing power than the computers that landed the man on the moon. It has all the same, same sensors that you need to land on the moon. The LiDAR that would have we needed to land on the moon would cost about two and a half million dollars. We bought that now for $150 because it's exactly the same one we use in self-driving cars, right? So point is, you start to see where the trend is and you start to ride that wave of the exponential wave and you focus on where the puck is going to be. The best example I can give you is our friends at Siri. <clears throat> when they started the company, people asked them, the thing you're doing is going to require all the processing power and natural language processing. Nothing like this exists. They say, who says we're going to be ready in three years? And it, by the time they were ready to launch the product, the processing power was there because they were focused on where the puck was going to be, where the processing power was going to be, where the bandwidth was going to be, and that's how they build the company. So you don't build the company based on where things are. You start to focus on where the things are going to be. All right, we're going to take one more question, uh, and then you guys will have a chance to go ahead and uh, come up here afterwards. <laughs> yes, thank you for your enthusiasm. Absolutely, it's you. Um, so, Naveen, that was not only the funniest, but also the most um, honest description of social entrepreneurship I've ever heard. And as a social entrepreneur, I Oh my God. Uh, wait a minute, I just want to say I'm so glad I chose you. Keep going. <laughs> I'm like sitting here dying. Um, so I'm also a Viome customer and super excited for you to change, you know, all of chronic diseases and education. Um, but I also know that you have these great important relationships with spiritual leaders like Pop Chopra and Tony Robbins. Um, so I'm wondering, do you think that there, are there any issues that you've encountered so far that you don't think can be solved through billions of dollars 
and technology? So I believe there is no problem that can't be solved through innovation and entrepreneurship. That means it requires the people, a creative people to believe it can be done and the technology that will make it possible. Even though the technology may not exist today, it will come around in three years or five years. So when you start to think about how would we be able to communicate with people without speaking, could our brains be connected? The answer is absolutely possible. Absolutely it will happen. That today, how, how are we gonna to start to augment our brains? And people say, I will never do that. And what happens is we're doing it today. When we start to put all the phone numbers on the phone, we stop remembering them. We don't remember the facts anymore because we Google them. Here's what happened, they say, that's just the memory. We are giving up our decision-making power. We use Google Maps and it says turn left, we turn left even though we know we need to be going straight because we believe it knows better. It says go to this restaurant, we go to that restaurant, try this out, right? Our decision making is now being suddenly being augmented. People say I will ne never use robots at home. I remind them dishwasher is a robot, <laughs> right? Point is the technology is starting to come and we start to get used to it and suddenly it becomes obvious. Our brains are already being augmented. It's a matter of time. That tiny neocortex that gave us so much advantage that we start to think that every other animal is unconscious and we can eat them. Imagine if somebody could develop the artificial neocortex by connecting us to the supercomputers and the first people who get the additional neocortex, how would they treat the other human beings? Just like we treat animals today. Um, we're going to end. You, you've had such an interesting journey. Naveen, what is your one takeaway, your one philosophical outlook that you can share with us that we can look to apply in our everyday lives? Never be afraid to fail. You only fail when you give up. Everything else is just a pivot. So keep pivoting, but never give up. All right. Put your hands together. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.